Home prices have skyrocketed since the start of the pandemic, threatening to price a generation of young buyers out of the market. It's so bad that some parents are flat out giving their adult kids the money they need for a down payment. But can they afford it? Today we hear from parents of Gen Z and millennials about helping their kids buy homes and what that means for their own finances. Welcome to Stress Test, a podcast about personal finance for Gen Z and millennials. I'm Roma Luzio, personal finance editor at The Globe. And I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe and Mail. Parents who are able to do so, who can afford it, have been helping their kids get into the housing market for years now. The bank of mom and dad is not a new phenomenon. What's new and noteworthy is the scale of that help, the amount of money that is changing hands specifically in order to buy homes. That was outlined in a CIBC report released last fall. Rob, tell us about that report. Okay, the report was super interesting to me because I've been waiting for years to find out just how much parental involvement there was in the housing market, and the answer was a lot. Mm -hmm. The report says that parents gave their kids more than $10 billion in down payments over the previous year. Uh, it was about 10% of total down payments over that period, and uh, about 30% of home buyers got the help, and it averaged $82,000. It was more in some of the bigger cities than that. So we're talking about a high number of people getting help, and that help is considerable. What are you, what's your take on those numbers? I mean, I think what the report clearly showed is how large the down payments are getting and that getting this amount of money from parents is absolutely a game changer. These are huge amounts of money that are widening the wealth gap between young adults who get this kind of money and the ones who don't, and that translates down into the parents who are able to provide that help and those that are not. In some cases, that's the difference between who can and cannot get into the housing market. The latest report showed us the numbers, but we wanted to hear from parents who were in this situation. So we asked Globe readers to write in and share their stories. We wanted to know how they felt about extending this financial help. Were their kids asking for the money? Did they offer it? Did they feel pressured? Were they embarrassed? Were they worried about how it would impact their own finances, their retirement? And how common is this among their friend group? Stress Test is a podcast for millennials and Gen Zs. But in this case, we wanted to hand the mic over to your parents to hear from them about how this newfound pressure to hand over large down payments is impacting them. We wanted to share some of the responses, so we got two friends of the show, Linda and Michael, to read them out. Here's what our readers told us. We're in this position right now. We've talked about it a lot and decided not to give the money. We feel like crappy parents for not helping out, but it's just too risky for us. My stepdaughter and Toronto and partner have made it clear that they believe parents with resources have a moral obligation to assist their children with home purchases. I have access to resources that could help them, though, for several reasons, I'm not yet ready to do that. Two of the main reasons are that they are not married yet, even though my daughter would want to be. And at 68 years old, I'm close to retirement, but don't yet have confident understanding of how I would feel about my financial situation a few years from now when I am no longer earning any income. So far, my experience has not yet been to support my kids with housing. The kids are aged 20, 25, and 27. Instead, we support them with a full ticket to funding their education and or living with us rent-free and utility-free. I've witnessed more recently in my circle a tendency for my 25 and 27-year-olds 
cohort of friends to be supported financially by parents in purchasing condos and houses in what I know to be an overpriced, crazy-headed housing market. This money has been gifted to them, often with no strings attached. No one owes you a living. You need to create it yourself. The happiest people I know did it themselves and are proud of it. But it's frustrating to watch this happening. I do find myself getting caught up in it as my daughter in particular has become so down about some of her friend's windfall. I've recently helped both of my kids buy a home. My son bought a modest two-bedroom condo in Vancouver and my daughter, her partner and now infant son were able to buy a home in Victoria. Neither of my kids asked for my help. They both asked me why I would do this when I could have spent the money on something else. I told them I quite honestly could not think of anything that money would buy that would give me any greater happiness than helping them into their first homes. I live well, but not extravagantly, and the money I gave them should not materially impact my lifestyle. The only downside is my kids and I feel we are in the position of privilege, and we have exercised that privilege. It seems wrong and unfair to me that getting a home is no longer possible if you work hard and save. You need to have won the life lottery and have boomer parents with disposable income. While some parents are giving their adult kids down payment money as a loan, other parents are giving them cash as a full-on gift, the no-strings-attached kind. I spoke with a woman in Saskatoon who decided to do just that for her 32-year-old daughter. Here's our conversation. I'm in my late 50s. I'm a government employee. I have a defined benefit pension plan. I live very frugally, so I don't feel concerned about money whatsoever. I don't feel that I need a lot to live. Tell me about the talk you and your daughter had where you raised the idea of helping her buy the house. It wasn't much of a talk, actually. Uh, Just before Christmas, I went for a walk with her and her husband, and I told them uh, that I do want to help them buy a house. And they said that would be wonderful. They were expecting maybe twenty, thirty thousand. But when I gave them the check for one hundred and fifty thousand, they were they were blown away. But they they didn't want to take away from my um, from my future security. And I told them that this was extra money that they would get anyhow. So why not give it to them now? Have you provided any conditions on on this this cash gift you provided? There were no conditions. I I thought of putting conditions on it. A friend of mine told me I should give the money to them as a loan so that if my daughter's husband ever does leave her, half the money doesn't end up going to him. But I thought that if I did that, then they would be hesitant to, to take the money. I also thought as a condition that her father, from whom I have been divorced for 20 years, and uh, his parents could uh, give some money too, especially since they are actually in a better financial condition than, than I am. So I thought I could say, I'll give you 50000 as long as your other parents give you 50000 as well. I thought that would be fair. But I realized that, that that wasn't going to be possible. Not all parents have the same philosophy, philosophy about giving their children money. And I actually talked with them about this, and they told me that their other parents would not give them any money 
but they are very handy. So they'll give them uh, assistance in kind instead. You mentioned that um, the gift was your idea. Did you feel any pressure to help your daughter? I didn't feel any pressure, but I was noticing in in articles in the Globe and Mail and so on that a lot of uh, children use the bank of mom and dad to to buy a house. And I was seeing that, especially with my niece's experience, that it becomes almost unaffordable for uh, young people, for millennials to buy a house these days without any kind of assistance. So I felt... Uh, why not help? Because I, I can help. What's been the reaction from your family and your friends to this uh, gift you provided your daughter? The only other person who's aware of it is my father, and he thought it was extremely generous. My father, I, I come from a working class background. We were very, very poor. And so we never had that kind of support ourselves because it wasn't possible. And so that amount of money is significant to my father. But to me, it was, it's extra money. So he was just uh, amazed that I would do this. But I haven't told anyone else because I almost felt like it would be bragging. And if I told my nieces and nephews who have bought houses mainly with their own money, they would wonder why their parents who are richer than I wouldn't have supported them in the same way. So I, I just, uh, we're just keeping it quiet. And my daughter and her husband haven't told me if they have told their parents or their friends either. So I think it's just between us for the most part. Have you talked to your daughter and her husband about how much it costs to own a house and run it and keep it in good working order and how well prepared they are about that side of home ownership? No, <laughs> that's a good conversation to have. I think they have an understanding of that because they do have some friends who own houses, but also um, right now they're, they're renting a house and they're paying for everything except for the mortgage and the home insurance. But I, I do think they're both very level-headed. So I think they'll understand that, but I, I haven't talked to them about that. I was, I was going to tell them about, home insurance, how it costs more, and, and other things they need to take care of. In fact, I'm assembling a, a document about how to buy a house that's not a, a pig with lipstick, as Mike Holmes would call it, uh, because they've been looking at houses and they're so excited about a house that has a finished bathroom and a finished kitchen. But I want to tell them to look at the, the furnace, the electrical, the, uh, the plumbing, the roof and all those things. So I'm just in the process of assembling a document that will, will help them do that. Let's finish off by having you tell us how it makes you feel to have given your daughter this help. How it makes me feel. I feel really happy and really blessed to have had this extra money to, to give to them and to be able to give them a, a lift and a head start. Uh, my daughter and her husband are in their 30s and they haven't been able to buy a house. And I was able to buy a house in my 20s because they were very, very cheap back then. And so it just makes me feel uh, comforted in a sense to know that they'll be able to buy a house in a reasonable neighborhood and I'm giving them a, a good head start. 
After the break, I'll speak with a couple in Alberta who helped their middle son with a down payment and other living expenses. Retiring means living on a set income, so supporting their 20 or 30-something-year-old kids with housing and other expenses can drastically change a retiree's financial picture. I spoke with a semi-retired Alberta couple about helping their 28-year-old son with the house down payment and other bills. Here's part of our conversation. My name's Tracy, and I'm 62 years old. I recently retired at 60. I have been a registered nurse since I was early 20s. My name is Bob. I'm 66 years old. I'm a retired research scientist. I retired in 2019. I would say we are middle class. Um, We have a fairly stable financial situation in retirement because I have a defined benefit pension plan. So that's a really big factor. We have a decent amount of investments. I don't know the dollar figures or not, but we have most of that in tax-free savings accounts, some RRSPs, and more recently, a non-registered account when we sold our, was formerly our primary residence. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have some money in that. Okay. So good financial situation. Tracy, how many kids do you have? Three sons and um, they're all born here in Canada. They're all Canadians. One is 25, the next one is 28, and the oldest is 30. They're all employed except for one. One is unemployed, looking for a job. Okay, so you recently put $62,000 of your own money towards the purchase of your second son's home. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Yes. I thought it was 50,000, but 62? I don't know. No, it's gone up to 62 now. Oh, okay. Bob and Tracy wanted their second son, who has a disability that limits the kind of work he can do, to have a place of his own. At first, they thought he would be able to use the money in his RDSP, his Registered Disability Savings Plan. Uh, So we approached the bank. We'd been looking around, and they approved a mortgage for him uh, with with the limit. Um, And some of that money was going to come from his RDSP. However, after we had put down the down payment on the house, we found out that that's not like an RSP. You can't use that money. So that's why we ended up putting the full down payment amount. Um, and we, we got it thinking he would be more independent, help him out. He didn't have the ability to raise funds for a down payment. So we were fine with that at that point. The cost of your son's mortgage payments, some of the uh, financial help you've given him, how is that impacting your retirement or your own financial situation? Yeah, before before we sold our primary residence, um, cash flow is a real problem. Um, so we ended up selling that um, August last year, and we moved into our rental place. So it's a smaller smaller house um, that needs renovations as well. Lower taxes. Um, yeah, lower taxes. So our, our for a few months we had a fairly you know steady income with my pension and that, and not too many outlays, and that, our financial situation looked pretty good. Um, but with other costs coming on now, before our son lost his job, and um, before this Omicron hit, um, we have to do we have a property overseas, which 
we hope to retire to, um, that we want to do some major renovations on, put an extra bedroom and a bathroom because it's like a very small three-bedroom, one-bathroom bungalow. Um, so it impacts our future planning, I think, and, and, and what we can do. What would your ideal retirement look like? I'd be on a sailboat uh, sailing around Brisbane <laughs> and on my motorbike going through the country roads and camping and traveling. We've been very fortunate, Crazy. though. We did go back to Australia, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of fun things, and we had a great time. And I do worry about leaving our son here um, because my oldest son, who's just around the corner from him, is working full-time and very busy as well. And so I don't feel like lumping that responsibility on the other two boys, although they're, they're there to help if he needed it. We, I mean, we could do six months there, six months here. There's a whole bunch of options. But So what's the concern then about leaving your sons if they're not all financially stable and set up here? Well, I think the two of them are are fine. Um, the one is, is it, we just have to we just have worries about. So that's the main thing to worry with my my middle son and and my father. Um, uh, I I don't know if that's different from other parents. Um, you know, we you, we feel we have to look after our kids. I think that's the responsibility that most parents have to a point, um, and we're there for them. I'm torn between two worlds, to tell you the truth, because I've always dreamt of returning to Australia, and um, 20, 31 years later, <laughs> I'm here. But I love Canada too, don't get me wrong. I, I've done everything here. I've had my children here, got married here, everything. So um, I don't have a large family there. My family is closer here in Canada than in Australia, do you feel as parents in today's housing market, in today's economy, with all the additional pressures that COVID has brought, do you feel pressure or do you feel that part of that parental responsibility includes providing a place that your child can live? Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, I think I mean, we made the decision pre-COVID um, and I did sit my other two sons down and, and tell them what we were doing. And I also said that um, it will even out in the end. And certainly it sounds like both of you feel that the necessity for that financial help is greater now. Mm. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Especially with the housing costs. I mean, our, our youngest son in Vancouver would never be able, no matter how hard they work and working overtime, get a down payment for a, a property there. It would be a real stretch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if, if we can help, we, we certainly will. How does helping your sons financially make you feel? Um, yeah, I'm happy to, to help them out. I, I can't see not doing that. Um, and, you know, we do it to the, the best of our ability. Uh, we still have to look out and decide, you know, who, how much we're going to do that. And right now it's more trying to get a change in one of our son's lifestyle. So it's more uh, financial. He'll be more financially stable going forward um, and helping out the other two as we can. Um, and when their priorities come up. Uh, yeah. We're in a, we're in a good position that we can do this. Um, if all three of them lived in Vancouver, or Toronto, and we're looking for down payments, 
I don't, that would be next to impossible. So I, I don't know how people can do, how do that there without remortgaging their own house. Um, you know, we're lucky in Alberta here, the cost of housing is very, is quite low. Do you think it's a parent's obligation to provide this kind of financial help for their adult kids? Shouldn't no, I they? think it, it, I think it's more a personal choice. I don't think it's an obligation. Um, and of course, everyone's situation is going to be different. Um, we don't certainly feel obliged that we have to do this. Um, it's something we can do. So, so we, we happily do it. I mean, with my father, he was, he was in a, a charter, he was an accountant and he was very strict with money, as was his father. He, they were both accountants. When we were struggling, when we first um, came back to Canada and uh, Tracy had, was getting a job, we needed a second car. We went to, to get a personal loan from the bank. And I think that that was back in the early 90s and interest rates like 17 or 18%. So my father decided he would help us out by giving us a loan of 12%. <laughs> And so we paid it off with post-dated checks and, you know, he made sure every, every penny was paid back. And, uh, and he has told me on a number of occasions that you shouldn't just give your kids money, um, that that doesn't help them financially in the long run. One thing that occurs to me in listening to parents talk about helping their kids is that Gen Z and millennials might be the first generation of young parents who go into uh, the stage of life where they start a family knowing they're going to have to help their kids buy a house uh, when they get older. Uh, you know, I know they're going to be thinking about daycare and about activities and then about university, but I think it's going to be on their radar right from the get-go. Can we put some money away for our kids to buy a house? Um, even if even if it's just a small amount along Alongside the RESP, the Registered Education Savings Plan, I think more families are going to be thinking about the house fund. I mean, hopefully one other thing that comes out of discussions like these is the understanding that down payments like this are happening. And having reports that put numbers on this and seeing this kind of information will help people realize that the reason that people are getting into the housing market is because some of them are getting this kind of help. And that is, as you've described it, the secret sauce and as I've said, a game changer for home ownership. We have three takeaways for you from today's episode. One, parents don't put yourself in a financially precarious position to help your kids buy a house. Two, for millennials and Gen Z, be mindful that your parents may need all their savings to remain financially independent in retirement. Number three, be mindful of what happens to down payment gifts and loans if a young couple separates or divorces. Consulting a lawyer in advance makes sense. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Amy Chan and Zara Kozema. Audio engineering and editing by Kyle Fulton. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Thank you to our guests who shared their stories. If you like what you heard, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find Stress Test at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And find us at theglobalmail.com where we cover all things financial. In our next episode, we'll talk with some Gen Z and millennials who are investing in crypto. We'll hear about their gains and losses. Thanks for listening. <laughs>